You're listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm parenting expert Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in all different areas of your parenting so you can create strong connections with your kids, get all the cooperation you want, and live a life that is full of joy and connection. And by the way, the tools and solutions that you're looking for in your parenting don't just live in each episode of my show. They're also in my free membership site, The Parent Toolbox, where you can access tools created by myself and my brilliant guests that cover everything from helping your kids to sleep, managing meltdowns, reducing overwhelm to getting your kids to listen the first time and so much more. Join The Parent Toolbox so you can download and use the tools that are ready on the site and Each week, a brand new tool is added. And of course, the best part is it's absolutely free to join and to stay in. You can go to www.parent-toolbox.com today. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to share with you another podcast that I think you're going to find really interesting. It's called Didn't I Just Feed You? It's a weekly candid conversation about feeding our families, even for parents who hate to cook. Hosts Stacey Billis and Megan Splawn are two food professionals who get real about feeding kids, tweens, and teens because they're also busy working moms, so they get it. They talk about how to turn things like nachos into a legit family dinner, to the magic of meatballs, to solving the after-school snack problem, even reducing kitchen waste and debt all at once. They chat with guests from Food Network stars to everyday moms who, let's be honest, are the real experts. In fact, Didn't I Just Feed You is a staple on the iTunes Top 100 Food Podcasts and the only food podcast made with parents in mind. Stacey and Megan are on a mission to make cooking easier, more delicious, and maybe even a little bit more fun. Find Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Now, you can also find Stacey and Megan on Instagram and Facebook as at Didn't I Just Feed You. Now let's dive into this next episode of Parenting Our Future. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Our Future. It's Robin McMahon here, and I have the most wonderful guest. He's actually been on the show before. I'm talking to Gary Questenberry. And so we're talking about teens in this episode. We're talking about how to keep our teens safe, which I know is top of mind for every parent that has teenagers. And Gary has the most amazing background that I want to, I want to share it with you. So, you know, he is the real deal. So Gary enlisted in the United States army at the age of 17 And that's where he served as an artilleryman during Operation Desert Storm. And after the events of 9-11, Gary went to work as a federal air marshal, where he traveled the world in his country's service and devoted his time to studying fields of violence and predatory behavior. Gary now serves as the CEO of Questenberry Personal Defense Training and is the author of Heads Up, Situational Awareness Series, Spotting Danger Before It Spots You, Spotting Danger Before It Spots Your Kids, and now his new book, Spotting Danger Before It Spots Your Teens. He's also been featured on History Channel's hit television series, Top Shot and Top Shot All-Stars. Gary has an extensive background in domestic and foreign counter-terror training and has worked in both private and corporate sectors to educate others on the importance of situational awareness and personal safety. Gary, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you so much. So happy Uh, to have you here. It's my pleasure. I love talking to you. So it's always good to come back on. (laughs) See that accent? Love that accent. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to hold up your books here. So I have Spotting Danger Before It Spots You and then Spotting Danger Before It Spots Your Kids. And so what I love about what you're doing and what you've done with your books is they really build upon each other. And so obviously the kids one is for, you know, under those teen years, because it requires a different language. It requires a different level of uh, alertness with those kids, but teens, now we're talking about teens that are away from us are doing things where they have to make critical decisions. And, you know, as they get older, the stakes get higher. So, um, so I love that about what you're doing. Um, and I want to ask you, 
You know, what you really anchor in with all of these books is you anchor into the situational awareness. And, and I would love to sort of start there as a bit of a review, um, because there are, there are, there are a few different pillars of situational awareness that you talk about. So can, can we sort of start there and dive in there? Sure. Well, you know, like you said, the books, one kind of builds upon the other. Uh, the first book in the series, Spotting Danger Before It Spots You, that's the, you know, that's the nuts and bolts book on situational awareness. I wrote it in layman's terms. I tried to stay away from all the technical jargon that we use in the military and law enforcement because I wanted this to be something that everyone could pick up and understand. Not only understand it, but to be able to take some of the tips and techniques that I give in the book and the practical exercises that I outline and put those in place the next time you walk out the door. So you can instantly see some benefit from from the things that you learn in that book. Uh, The second book in the series, like you mentioned, you know, that's situational awareness for younger children, say between the ages of four and 12. Now, it's not a children's book. Mm -hmm. It's for parents with younger children, and it teaches them how to kind of start that conversation with their children, not necessarily set your four-year-old down and say, we're going to talk about situational awareness. That's never going to happen. But, you know, there's these little games and little things that you can do with younger children to help them build, uh, you know, their their descriptive vocabulary, help them get more engaged with their environment so that they understand baseline behaviors and how to spot things that fall outside that baseline and then report that back to their parents in an intelligent way that we can understand and then we can help them through it Mm -hmm. now. You know, once they get to 12 years old, you know, they start getting into their teens. That's when things start changing. And that's what this third book is about. So you don't necessarily have to read one book to understand the other, because I do a little bit of a refresher, you know, in each one for the parent. But, you know, it's a good idea. And each one's packed that I kept them, you know, purposely kind of, you know, around 180 pages or so, so that they weren't an overwhelming read. And I like to think that they're kind of easy to read and follow. So you can, you know, you know, ingest that in chunks and, and walk away with something that's going to keep you and your family safe. You know, I remember one thing. Well, I remember many things from our conversation before, which you were on episode 99, which literally is called spotting danger before it spots your kids. But the thing that I, that stays with me is, you know, we always teach our kids to, um, to look for somebody in a uniform or look for, you know, uh, people who, you know, obviously you could trust, but you said, yes. Okay. But look for another mom. Chances are that mom is going to do whatever she can to help you as a little kid, right? Her own children. Yeah. Short of endangering her own children, a mother will go out of their way to help a child in need. And that's always been my experience, you know, and it's something I write about in the book, where my son actually had to depend on another mother when we got separated at a 5k race to help reconnect us. Yeah. And luckily he had the skills and tools that he needed to identify the proper person and get the help he needed. Because if you just teach, you know, your children, if you use fear as a tactic, which I hate, but you know, if you just teach your children that all strangers are dangerous, then they're never going to be able to approach somebody when they need help or identify the people that they should approach. So it's, uh, you know, it's important that they understand that not all strangers are bad yeah. and they need to know what little characteristics and things to look for to indicate that someone could be there to help them mm-hmm. as opposed to someone that they should just shy away from and, you know, maybe not even get help at all for themselves. That's so. right. Yeah. The danger is they don't get any help and right. th- that's, that's scary. So I, I, you know, that to me was such an important such an important lesson that stranger danger doesn't really work and it's flawed and that, you know, and and this is what you can do instead. So thank you for that. That, that is a lesson that is just timeless. I love it. And so situational awareness, you break it down into how people should act, read the environment, identify problems, know your options, reinforcement through visualization. So can you give us, you know, for the listeners, can you give us just sort of a, a, you know, a broad, idea of what situal awareness, sorry, situal awareness, struggling with that word today, actually, um, actually means like, what, what is it to you? 
Okay, well, you know, a lot of people have this misconception of what situational awareness is. So they think that it's something that's reserved for like spies or something like that, you know, and it's not. The, uh, you know, situational awareness isn't something that's out of a Jason Bourne movie. It's something that we all implement in our lives every day when we're driving down the street or we're looking for a parking spot, you know, at the grocery store. What you need to learn about situational awareness is the fact that it's not reserved for those types of people. And situational awareness is simply a matter of taking in environmental cues for the purposes of predicting the actions of others. That's, that's how I identify situational awareness. So, you know, you've got to do a couple of things to get yourself to that point. One is you have to learn to think like a predator. And that's not always easy for people. You have to kind of put yourself in that predator's mindset so you know how they target people and who they target specifically and why. Once you learn that, you have a better understanding of your own personal flaws that you can correct and make yourself appear to be more of a hard target and less likely to be approached by someone with ill intentions. And then you can pass that information on to your children. Uh, you know, once, once you have that down pat, then you're starting to look at what we call pre-incident indicators. So you learn what baseline behaviors are. Uh, baseline behaviors are just any normal behavior in a given circumstance, and it can apply to a place or a person. So, you know, you're a parent, so you know what the baseline behavior is in your house, and you've right. got children. So when you come home, sometimes those children may be a little bit rambunctious and bouncing off the walls, and, you know, they just got home from school, and everything's a little bit chaotic. That's a baseline behavior. That's perfectly normal. But if you ever came home and all of a sudden your children are super quiet and they're not in the room and you're like, okay, something's wrong. Who broke mm. what? You know, kind of thing. So that's just you reading the baseline at home. But you can do that when you're out in grocery stores or you're at the park or you're in a concert or at the beach with your family. You can read those baselines. And once you identify something that rises above that baseline and draws your attention, then you know that that's what you need to be focused on. Mm -hmm. And then you start making decisions based on that information. Is this something that could pose a danger to me and my family? And then you start looking at your options. Can I escape or can I avoid it? That's the number one option is try to just get around it and not be involved in it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Then there's escape, de-escalation and communication. And I break all those things down in the book for the sole purpose of at the end of the day, you walk away, you or your family, you know, you and your family safe and sound and you make it home without ever being involved in those dangerous situations that could present themselves at any time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and what I, what I remember and really took away is, you know, you talk about baseline. And so when you see something that is out of alignment with what should be happening, and I used an example last time where we were at this fair or festival and, um, and I saw this little kid, this little boy crying. And, and then I looked at my sister-in-law and she looked at me and she's like, yeah, yeah, go, go. Cause I was like, uh, you know, we, we telepathically had a conversation about, do you think he's right. in trouble? Should I go? Should I help him? And she's like, yeah, yeah, go. And so I went over to him and then, you know, you, you, you articulated this in a way I couldn't, you said yes. And then what I did was I found the match to that situation, which was parents who were looking pretty, like pretty freaked out themselves. Right. And, uh, and then we knew that that was how you, you know, to reunite them. So, um, right. so yeah, I just thought I'd share that again. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, that's what it's all about right there is just being in tune with your environment. And what a lot of people do is they let themselves get so focus locked on either internally on things that are distracting them in their personal lives or externally with things, you know, like their cell phone. Yeah. And there's so many things that you'd be amazed what's going on around you that you miss just because you get that focus lock. But if you can just, you know, put all that aside for a little while and focus solely on that baseline behavior in your environment, learn what that means and what that feels like, you'll be amazed at what you pick up on in other people. And that's yeah. what, you know, keeping yourself safe is really all about is being able to spot those, those little danger signals that present themselves from time to time and that's learning right. how to work around them. Yeah. Which, which brings me to the heads up, you know, that the, the first, uh, the first thing that you've ever done was called heads up, which I think just is so such a great, title because you got to get your head up and get your head out right. of well it's uh, the you know, it's the series 
overall that I call the yeah. heads up series. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because any, anytime I teach a class or I present this material in person, people ask me without fail, you know, what's the one thing that I can do right now to help keep myself safe? And the answer is simple, you know, just get your head up and pay attention to what's going on around you. Because when you do that, one, you're changing your posture, you're changing the way other people perceive you, you're looking more confident and in tune with your environment. And at the end of the day, predators are more concerned with their own personal safety, right? They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to get caught. So if you just through your, you know, your posture and your actions look like the type of person that would raise an alarm or draw attention to what they're doing, they will go out of their way to avoid you. And, and that's what you want. So yeah. you know, get your head up and pay attention to what's happening. And you'd be amazed at what you can pick up on. Now, situational awareness, not to oversimplify it. It's a whole lot more than that. Yeah. That's one thing you can do right now to really help the way you look to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Really important. And, and, and like you said, you, you don't want to be a soft target. You want to be a hard target. You, you know, right. don't want to make it easy for someone to think, oh yeah, she's, she's right for the picking, right? <laughs> That's not good. So let's talk about teens because they need to learn this. And, and I want to clarify, is the book that you've written, uh, Spotting Danger Before It Spots Your Teen, is it a book for parents to read and, or a book for teens to read? It, it's, it's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. So it's mostly for parents, just like the other books, because at the end of the day, you're the one solely responsible for your children's safety. Now, the teen years get a little more complicated because now they're starting to explore their own individuality. So where you, you were able to keep your kids close and in the confines of, you know, that little bubble that you created around them for a certain period of time, they're going to start wanting to break away from that. Yeah. And when they do, they're going to start, you know, wanting to drive. They're going to want to date and go to parties and dances and all these things. Right. You, you yeah. understand. I'm right and there with you. <laughs> and you want, you know, you want your children, just like you want them to be outgoing and friendly with people and understand what real safety looks like. You know, you also want them to get out and discover who they are. And they can't do that without those life experiences. And you want them to have that. But at the same time, you also want them to have, the knowledge and tools that they need to keep, keep themselves safe in those situations that they could put themselves in. Yeah. You and I were talking earlier, you know, when teenagers, you know, say a teenager's at a party and it's perfectly innocent, things have a tendency with teenagers to escalate. And at some point, your teenager may find themselves in a situation that they didn't necessarily want to be in. And they're going to need to escape from that. So that's why the communication piece with parents and teens is so important. And understanding that no matter, you know, no matter how we feel about each other or what our thoughts and beliefs are about things, you know, whatever that may be, at the end of the day, the, the, the safety piece is what we all have in common. You don't want to go out and get yourself hurt. We as parents don't want to see you go out and get hurt. So use that, you know, as that kind of hub for this whole conversation that you need to have with your teenagers. Right. And as parents, our job isn't done when our kids are teenagers. They do not have a fully grown brain yet, which means they can't always have critical thinking. They can't forecast consequences. That's why things can go sideways right. because they, they, they're, they're not mature enough yet. So right. we still need to be the safe place for them to come to no matter what. And yes, they may be drinking. Yes, they may be doing drugs or other things that you don't want them to do. But when they call for help, you go and help and leave that situation until, like you say, cooler heads prevail, right? right. Yeah, there's yeah. a conversation to be had there, and it will yeah. be had. But mm -hmm. you know, you have to you have to kind of set the groundwork. And what I you know I outlined in the book from the perspective of you know I was a firearms instructor for the Federal Air Marshal Service for three years, okay. and and we worked with with students who some had some experience with firearms and worked in law enforcement before mm -hmm. or were in the military and some were just out of college and never touched a gun before in their life. So our job as instructors was to just keep everybody on the same sheet of music and keep everybody safe. Right. And, and I relate that to being a parent. That's our job. Keep Absolutely. everybody on the same sheet of music, keep everybody safe. That's right. So in the air marshal service, we use what we call the four cardinal firearms rules, right? to keep everybody safe. Everybody had to know those rules. And you also had to know what we call the left and right limits. You're not allowed to shoot past this point to the right or past this point to the left. So in my book, I outline, I kind of put it in that context. Like that. As parents, we need to set our kids down and say, listen, these are the rules. 
you know, we want you to explore your individuality and we want you to figure out who you are. We want you to have friends and, 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 and get the independence that you feel like you need. But at the same time, if these rules get broken and it jeopardizes your safety or you step outside those limits that we set, then we as parents are going to reassert that authority and, and take over again. You know, so yeah. it's a little bit of give and take and it's not always easy. And, you know, it's, it's almost never easy as a matter of, as, as, yeah. as you know, but, uh, but it can be done and, and, you know, you can get through it on the other end with independent safety minded teens and safety minded teens seems like an oxymoron, but but it's, uh, but, you know, you can do it. And, you know, it takes a whole lot of work on both ends. And as long as you right. sit down and you communicate that with each other and hold each other accountable and responsible for your own actions, then then it's it's there. Yeah. And, and so what I hear you saying is I, I love the the analogy that you use. You know, this is your boundary for left and right. You know, when you're talking about shooting and and our kids need boundaries, they need this scaffolding sure. of support around them where they can feel free to push up against them. But then they're held back by us you know, because that is our job, A, and, uh, and B, you know, I think they secretly like it because it does make them feel safe. And then they can always use that. They hey, blame me all you want in front of your friends. So, sounds good. You know, as long as I'm keeping you safe. <laughs> yeah, totally. No problem. Talk, talk about me however you want to. Doesn't matter to me. I am, I stand by what I'm doing. And, and so what I want to just uh, mention, because we're not going to talk about these in any detail here, uh, because I'm going to pepper you with questions uh, uh, for a different section, but you have phase one, two, and three. And in phase three, you talk about responsibility, accountability, communication, and teamwork. So I just, I want to say that because uh, you do talk about how to talk about it. And, uh, or I should say you write about how to talk about it, um, which I think is also really, really important. So, um, so you're giving parents the tools that they need to really navigate this in, in a really fulsome way. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the, the responsibility and accountability piece are, are, those are big pieces of the puzzle. So you want to make sure that, you know, you each understand what your responsibilities yeah. are, mm -hmm. their responsibilities as teens, your responsibilities as a parent, and you have to communicate that to each other, yeah. you know, and you can't just keep changing the rules, you know, because you feel like it or because, you know, the, and if you've got multiple kids, you know, they're all individuals. And what works well for one may not work for another. So that's where the accountability piece comes in. Mm -hmm. If one's doing everything right and they're getting extra privileges and the other one does something wrong and you got to kind of reel them in a little bit, they have to understand that they're the ones accountable for their actions, not their, mm -hmm. their you know, their siblings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and just the communication piece. I feel like a lot mm -hmm. of things get lost, you know, when it comes to communication. And I will be the first one to admit that I was never good with that. I was always the hot headed one, you know, and I was always kind of like the hammer in the family, you know, so mm. when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So problems would pop up, dad's there to squash them. And, and I, I, I make the confession in this book that a lot of the decisions I made as a parent, you know, or a lot of the things that I write about in this book, I have the benefit of hindsight yeah. and my wife, Kelly, she did a lot of the heavy lifting, you know, with, with, with the teens, because I was flying all over the place, you know, doing my job. And if, if I got called in <laughs> on a situation, then, you know, somebody exceeded those left and right limits and it was time to kind of drop that hammer. But, you know, we learned a lot together. And I think, you know, when it's all said and done, we've got three beautiful children. My youngest is now 23 years old. She just got married. All three of my kids are in the military and doing well. So, wow. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think what we did worked. And, you know, I think that parents can benefit from that. And it all kind of revolves around that situational awareness piece. And when you think about situational awareness with your teens, it's more about just being able to read the environment and find, you know, dangerous situations and figure out how to get around them. You also have to understand what your teenager's baseline is. And when something falls outside of that baseline, you have to understand that, you know, there's a communication gap there and you need to close that gap so that you can better relate to them and figure out what it is that's bothering them and how that affects the family in general and help them get through those things so you know situational awareness isn't just about you know 
the, the self-defense piece. It's about, you know, family communication and bonding. And I think that that's something that really comes through in this third book. Yeah, really, really good point. You're, you're so right. You're so right. It's like your, your side hustle could be parent coaching because uh, everything you say is completely aligned with what, what, what I talk about. I really love that. And obviously that's why, that's why you're here. Cause I think you're amazing. Um, so let's talk about understanding the risks that teens face because Sure, you can have situational awareness, but as we know, there are there are things that are stacked up against us. For right. example, with social media. And so, you know, we 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 know now, although we suspected, I think, that algorithms work against us. You know, they promote right. hate and uh, like promotes like, which can be really hard on your on your child, on your teenager. So um, you say you say understanding the risks that teens face, you cover off three main um, subjects here, which is online safety, school violence and exploitation. Can we right. touch on each of those on a really high level? Yeah. Uh, so, okay, online safety. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll be the first to admit that that's something that every parent, I believe, unless you're working in the tech environment, kind of struggles with because it moves 100%. so fast. It's kind of hard for us to keep up with. You and I are doing this little conversation right here in my Alexa or whatever it is, keeps chiming in in the background. <laughs> yeah, know, we so can I, barely hear it. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, but it keeps triggering her for some reason. So anyway, you know, I struggle with that technology piece, but, you know, teens, teen girls specifically are the most targeted segment of the population when it comes to predatory violence. And that's something that parents really have to be aware of. So we may not always understand what our children are doing online, but we can keep a close eye on that and monitor those things. And we can talk to other parents and, you know, the things like you do to keep parents informed of what, you know, is going on you know, in, in the in the world with just parenting in general, you know, it's so important because we always have to stay in tune to that. It's really easy for us when it comes to online safety to say, well, I don't understand it. They get it. They're smart. I'm sure it's fine. That's not always the best answer. So I tell a couple of stories in the book and, I, you know, <laughs> about the the hard lessons that we had to learn with like simple things like video games. Like I remember when video games were just something that you plug in and you play and that was it. But now, you know, there's this whole online community and kids are playing with other kids from different parts of the world. And there's a lot of predatory behavior that happens within that world. And it's something that has to be kept an eye on. So always make it a point to educate yourself as a parent as to what's happening in that technological realm within the, you know, your kid's life, because it becomes incredibly important to their safety. Uh, The second piece is school violence. It's something we don't always like to talk about. You know, it can be anything which we all had to deal with when, you know, we were kids is the bullying aspect of of school. And then you've got things like school trips, uh, you know, team sports and things like that, where kids can be bullied or exploited at school. And then, you know, all the way up to a school shooting. So what I recommend for parents is for them to sit down with their, you know, the, the, the counselors at school or, you know, some sort of a figurehead at the school and talk about how they handle those situations, everything from bullies to, to active shooters within the school and, and familiarize yourself with that plan and understand how you're going to be able to communicate with your kids. If something were to happen at the school, how are you reunited with your child? How are you going to be notified when something's happening and what is your role in that whole thing? So, you know, we can go, we can do a lot more than we typically do in order to keep ourselves well-informed of what's happening in our children's school. Great suggestion. I I feel terrible that I never did that. (laughs) And the other thing too is most of the time at the beginning of the school year, you know, like kids will come home with all these papers and books and everything and they ignore 98% of it. 100%. But, you know, if, if, if you go through that nine times out of 10, there's going to be a pamphlet in there that's given to them by the school that outlines like the school's emergency contacts, all the emergency procedures, it's all in there. And if you can't find it, then make it a point to reach out to someone at the school and make sure that you as a parent have that information. Great idea. And and then, you know, when it comes to exploitation, that's something where, you know, teens specifically get targeted online in school, no matter where they turn, you know, they're exploited by adults with predatory intentions. And what they do is they focus in on what that teen is lacking, whether it's something physical 
like money or nice clothes or something emotional, like they don't feel like they're getting the attention that they need or the love that they need at home. And they'll exploit those, you know, those little points in a child's life to get them to do things that they may, may necessarily not want to do. And wow. you know, just for the feeling of inclusion and uh, this person really gets me and understands. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a tool that predators use against teens. And it's something that we as parents have to keep our, you know, our eye on. You know, uh, I'll never forget this story. So uh, in my former career, I worked, uh, I did a lot of work in the community on behalf of my company. And I was sitting talking to a principal of an inner city school. And this was a true inner city, this particular area. There was a lot of poverty and there were a lot of immigrants and, uh, and, and I'll, ne- I'll never forget it. She said that um, they have pimps circling the, um, the playground looking for their next, right. their next victim. Uh, right. And that is, I mean, uh, shocking. Right. As a parent, that's horrifying. And then you read things in the news, like it's been over, it's been decades ago, I guess, where there was a prostitution ring being run inside the Mall of America, you know, and, and these 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 pimps had exploited these young teens and they were compensating them with things like clothes and stuff that they would buy them from the mall. And, oh and these were kids without money, you know, without, you know, maybe, maybe without a father figure, they felt unloved. They didn't feel included or bullied, or they didn't feel pretty enough or whatever. Yeah. And, and that was exploited. And wow. it, it's, it's the most egregious crime that I feel could ever be committed. And it's, uh, you know, it's got to be addressed. And now with everything going on in the world with human trafficking yeah. and, and stuff like that, it's, it's something that we really have to keep an eye on. Absolutely. And if you think that that's something that only happens in foreign countries or in poor areas of the world, you know, you've got another thing coming. This happens every day, right under our noses. And, you know, I write about it pretty extensively in the book. And yeah. a good friend of mine, Craig Sawyer, actually runs a uh, company now. He was one of my supervisors. He's a former SEAL team guy. Uh, uh, we work together in the air marshal service, but, you know, he runs vets uh, for child safety and they break up these sex trafficking rings and these people that are exploiting children. And a lot of the information that I get about how this works and what we as parents can do about it comes from, from, from organizations like that. So there's so many of them out there. I recommend that every parent get online and look for one of those organizations and, and, and get all the information that you can from them about what vulnerabilities your children have and how those are being exploited because it changes all the time, just like technology. And it's really hard to stay up to date on it. But luckily for us, you know, we can use the internet just as well as anybody else. And there's a lot of really good information out there to help educate ourselves on some of these issues that our teens face and what we can do about it to help keep them safe. Yeah. Okay. And so what I'm going to do is uh, I'll, we'll talk after and I'll get a site or two from you and I'll put them in the show notes. So people know a good place to go to get good information, because I think that's the trouble, right? Is that, you know, the internet is huge and where do you go? And you fall into a black hole and, you know, and, and, and it's scary. And And not all the information out there is credible. Right. Exactly. My point. You're getting your information from a credible source and somebody that knows what they're talking about. They work in that field specifically. And it's not just something that they researched on the internet, you know, like we do as parents, you know, our job is to just keep our little tribe as safe as we can. And the only way to do that is by branching out and kind of pulling knowledge from, from other places so that we can educate ourselves on some of these risks. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I went back to what you said earlier. You said that this 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 ring that was in the Mall of America, uh, buying them clothes and different things like that. Well, that is also off of baseline. If you see your kids coming in with clothes you didn't buy them that they, you know, right. they don't have money for like, whoa, that's a huge red flag. Right. So I just yeah. uh, thought I'd take it back there because that's that's what made me. And I, uh, I put a lot of those in the books, you know, like things that we need to be on the lookout for behaviors in our own children that could indicate that maybe they're having a relationship outside the home that they shouldn't be having or they're being exploited by someone else. And, you know, once you learn what those little key indicators are, just like the pre-incident indicators I talk about in the first book, you know, it really goes a long way in helping you keep tabs on what's happening in your child's life. 
Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about kids that are teens, but they are 12 to 16. So they don't have driver's licenses yet. Uh, and the kinds of things that they're facing. So in the book, you talk about the following, you talk about being home alone, being at malls, movies, and parks, sleepovers, school trips, and team sports. So you know, there's, there's a couple here that I want to, I, I wouldn't mind, I don't want you to go through all of them, but, you know, talk to me about home alone. What are some of the things that you advise? Well, you know, I think that's the first real step in, in, you know, that any parent goes through whenever their kids start wanting to be more independent is they want to be left home alone. So, you know, we, we were always okay with that. And, you know, you got to put somebody in charge. You got to make sure they all know the rules. And then you don't just say, well, I'm going to go to a movie and be gone for the next four hours. The first time, you know, this happens, it has to happen in stages. So if you've got to run a quick errand, go fill your tank up with gas or something like that, then, you know, you're gone for 20 minutes, maybe a half an hour and you come back and the house is still intact. Then, okay, you did good you know, maybe we'll extend that a little bit next time. And, you know, you kind of reward those good behaviors. And eventually it gets to the point where they can be left alone for extended periods of time. But that's kind of the first step. And you want to make sure that you don't take that step too early. You want to make sure that your child is ready for that level of responsibility, that they understand how to call 911, that they understand, okay, I know my, you know, my neighbor and I know their phone number. So if something were to happen, they could come over and check on things or they were scared or they thought something was wrong. They could, you know, call someone if you weren't close enough to respond yourself. So just these little things like that, you start developing that with your child when they're young. And then once they're ready for that independence, you feel a little more comfortable handing the reins over. And then, you know, like we talked about earlier, one thing builds upon the next. So they're left at home for a little while then they're left at home for a little bit longer. And then when they want to be left alone, like we talk about, you know, movie theaters and malls and stuff like that, you're, you feel comfortable dropping them off, right? Yeah. With established pickup times, established check-in times. Uh, you know, if you're late, then this isn't going to happen anymore kind of thing. So you nice. set those boundaries, those rules, those left and right limits that we talked about earlier, and you just steadily feed your child a little bit more independence at a time so that when they do become fully mobile and they have their driver's license, you're a lot more comfortable with the decisions that they may make when they're outside of your control. So with each of these topics here, home alone, malls, movies, parks, sleepovers, is it, is it really about communication between parent and child, or do you get into like, you know, this is what could happen in a mall or a movie theater, because we all know there have been incidents right there as well. So yeah. Tell me about that. Okay, so, you know, I get into a little bit of both sides of that in the book. So, you know, I, it's important that your, un, that your teen understands some of the dangers they may face in situations like that. Mm -hmm. And if you read the second book, Spotting Danger Before It Spots Your Kids, that's one of the things that we do with our children is we play these little what if games when we're out in public. So mm -hmm. we're in a restaurant, we're at the mall, or we're at a movie theater. You know, what if a fight broke out right here and the exits were blocked? How do we protect ourselves? You know, what would you do to stay safe? And you get them to thinking about these things and you start that at a younger age. So not every kid's going to progress at the same level. You know, I've met 18 year olds that shouldn't be left at home for 30 minutes by themselves, you know, and at the same time, I've met 12 year olds who I'd be perfectly comfortable letting them watch my child for a couple of hours if I needed to, because mm -hmm. they have that level of responsibility and maturity. Mm -hmm. So the younger you can start with your child on, on these little situational awareness games and these kind of what if scenarios, it helps them think critically about their environment. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is when they start, you know, like we said, when we start giving them the reins a little more to control their own, you know, their own schedule and their own independence, then we have to make sure that they have those little fallback points so that we can come and bail them out if we need to, you know, we understand that, okay, you're going to be gone for two hours. I expect a phone call every 30 minutes, you know, or a text message or something to let me know that you're okay. And you're where you're supposed to be. And then you establish a meeting point and I will be here to pick you up at this time. And the one thing that we always taught our kids is if you're early, you're on time, right? If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, then you're grounded and you're never going out again. So, you know, those are the rules. 
and, and they knew it. And they'll recite that to you now. Like they hate to be late for anything because I drilled that into them when they were children. So, you know, so consistently. And, you know, it worked for us and hopefully it works for other parents. You know, I understand not every child is the same, but I think that the stuff that I outline in the book works pretty universally in terms of situational awareness and personal safety so that you're giving your teens the tools they need to exercise that when they're not, you know, within eyesight of a parent. Mm. So, okay. So I want to go, I want to move on to older teens, but I want to, I want to ask you about sleepovers and what you cover about sleepovers, because that is an interesting topic to be included into the book. But one that I am uh, maybe secretly, not so secretly always worried about, I think like, I don't know, I don't think I want my teenager doing a sleepover because that's when they're going to sneak out. The influence of others is pretty powerful, but, but I'd like you to talk about it. Well, you know, the one rule that we always had is there is no, there's no sleepovers or anything like that in a house where we haven't personally met the parents. Okay. I'm not talking about just, you know, a conversation. I want to know who this kid is and I want to know who their parents are and what they're like, you know, so, and I want to make sure that I have that phone number and things like that. So I don't, I don't know when it changed or if it was just the way I was brought up as opposed to the way we brought my children up. Right. But there were so many sleepovers, you know, for my kids, they were planning mm-hmm. sleepovers all the time. You know, I would wake up some Sunday mornings, I always used to make pancakes and I got to run out and buy more pancake mix, you know, because I've got, these kids. I've got 10 kids in the house. I don't know where they all came from. Yeah. So, you know, my wife managed all that, but uh, you know, it, when I was a kid, I remember having sleepovers maybe two or three times, and it was always a big deal. But when my kids were teenagers, it was something that was a little more common. And they all played sports, you know, so that was a good opportunity for me and my wife to meet and interact with their friends and meet and interact with their friends' parents. So we established those relationships early on. And until we were comfortable with that child and that child's parents, there was no sleepover. You know, that was the rule. We have to know and be comfortable with these people first. We have to have open lines of communication so that if something were to happen on my end or something were to happen on their end, that we could we could make contact and pull, you know, pull them out of that situation if they felt uncomfortable or something was going on there that they weren't necessarily, you know, happy about and they wanted to come home. And same thing with us. If something happened on our end, we wanted to be able to contact somebody right away so that we could, you know, make contact with the child and pull them away and get them back home if we needed to. Yeah, you think about it, it's a huge responsibility to have other kids in your care and also to let your kids be in somebody else's care because something could happen, right? So so it really, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. I really, I I really like the way you look and, at it. You know, one point I want to make too is that that communication piece is really so important because one thing that we learned early on is the way we lived was much different than the way some of my, you know, my children's parents lived. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I worked as a federal air marshal for 19 years when my kids were teenagers. I was an active federal air marshal and I was armed unless I was asleep. I was armed pretty much. Right. So right. we had guns in the house. Right. And I felt that it was important for parents to know that. You know, even though my gun is completely locked away in a safe and I make sure, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. It's not just something I leave laying around on tables or in drawers unattended. That's not how it works. Right. But some parents just by the fact, you know, of what I did for a living and the fact that I had a gun in the house, they were uncomfortable with their children coming over. Yeah. And, and, you know, we had that conversation a couple of times and I was always very appreciative of it. Even if they said, hey, listen, we're not comfortable with our child coming over. Mm-hmm. I understand that 100%. Right. You know, I don't hold that against anybody. That's the way you're raising your children. And that's you know perfectly okay. I understand mm-hmm. where that concern comes from. But you know, without those conversations, yeah. if something were to happen later down the road where they found out I had the gun, a gun in the home and, and they let their child stay and they weren't comfortable with that and I didn't say anything, that would cause a bit of conflict between the parents, which would in turn, I believe, cause conflict between my child and their friends. Yeah. And I would never want that. So yeah. the communication piece in all this is so important, mm. whether it's communication between spouses, communication mm. between you, know, you and your teen, uh, your teen's friends, the parents of your teen's friends. It's, it's a network. 
when your mm-hmm. children become of age where they start seeking their independence. And the, the, the tighter you can keep that network, the safer you can keep your kids. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's true. And it's your duty to, to let right. people know if you have a firearm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I remember feeling uncomfortable with one of my son's friends whose uh, stepdad was a hunter, is a hunter, and knowing there was multiple firearms in the home. And, and that's so unusual here in Canada, because, you know, we just don't, that's just, we just don't have that. So, uh, so it's it's, where, where here, you know, every family on, you know, within a hundred mile radius has a gun because everybody's hunters. We live in the Blue Ridge mountains of Virginia, you know, and it's, it's more unusual to find someone who doesn't have a gun in their home is to find someone with a gun. And that's, that's different. It's a different dynamic. Yeah. You know, and it's not to say that one is right and one is wrong. It's just to say that they're different. But, the, you know, yeah. as long as you've got that communication piece in place, you mm-hmm. can work those things out, whether it be, you know, for good or bad, you know, th- however your team views it, you know, well, you won't let me stay there because he's got a gun in the house. That's okay. You know, that's just the way we feel about things. And, you know, we can communicate that with each other and it doesn't change the relationship that you have with your friends. It just means that you're not staying overnight. Yeah. And that falls back on those left and right limits kind of things and those mm-hmm. hard and fast rules that you set with your children so that they understand before they even ask the question, you know, what, what those rules are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all done by communication. And that is the overarching theme here is communication, 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 which I will say as somebody who, you know, helps parents in their parenting communication and connection is everything. So many of the problems, air quotes, that you may run into can be solved with the connection and the communication that you have built over the years, over a lifetime with your kids. And that continues on past the teen years and into adulthood. When you have good communication and a strong connection, it's everything. And I know that from people like you to people that talk about drug and alcohol abuse in kids to, you know, child sex trafficking, you know, the connection with your parents is the tether that, that holds you safe. And, um, it's just everything, it's just everything. I can't say, well, it absolutely. you know, and, and, and it's not, you know, it's never ending. It, it always yeah, needs it's never to be, ending because every year, you know, your children are going to have new teachers and you need to have, you need to have, you know, new relationships with those teachers and open lines of communication. Uh, you know, if they change schools from junior high to high school in those teen years, you know, you need to understand how things worked here may be different than how things work there. Keep yourself involved as much as you can. It's so easy for parents when their teens start becoming more independent. And I'll be perfectly honest. A lot of times parents feel like, OK, I'm ready for the break. You know, yeah. let them go. You know, let, let them get totally. out there and do their thing. But, you know, and that's great. I understand that. And it is a nice reprieve for a parent to have responsible children who can go out for a few hours with their friends, have a good time, you know, they're going to make it back safe, you know, but at the, you know, when, when it's all said and done, you have to have that, that confidence in them. And that confidence just isn't there without the communication piece. Yeah, totally. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Let's quickly touch on teens on the move. You're talking driver safety parties and dating. So what is sort of the overarching message here? Okay, this is where things start getting a little more difficult because yeah. you know, what, the way I talk about it in the books is, you know, like you got a toddler, you know, a baby, someone yeah. that, you know, when they're small, you can set them down and you can walk away for a few minutes and come back and they're right where you left them. Yeah, yeah, those are the good old walking, days. <laughs> yeah, when they start walking around and stuff, you set them down and you turn around for two seconds, they're gone, right? Yeah. They're eating out of the dog bowl. It's hard to tell what's going to happen with these kids, right? So it's, <laughs> it's the same thing in the teen years. You know, when when they're pre-driver's license teens, you have a little more control of where they go, how they get there, when they come home, because you're the one moving them back and forth. You or another parent, like I said, that you've already kind of established that relationship with. Now, all of a sudden, they get their driver's license and they're fully mobile. They're like that toddler eating out of the dog bowl. You don't know what they're going to get into. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, that's that's where things become a little more complicated for the parent. And that's where the communication piece becomes important. And trust becomes, you know, an incredibly big piece of this whole puzzle. And that trust isn't going to be there without, you know, you being able to have those conversations with them about situational awareness, 
what it means when it comes to, like we talked about earlier, online safety, school violence, all these different things. These are conversations that need to be had. And, you know, once your teen starts looking for that independence and they start becoming fully mobile on their own, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of dangers out there, whether it be from driver safety or whether it be for something that they're getting into at a party or whatever. But make sure they know that no matter what they get into, that they have a home base, right? And yeah. that's that's the house. That's where, you know, the safety piece mm-hmm. is. And we talked about it earlier. You know, you can work things out with your teens where they can still save face with their friends. Things escalate with teenagers, especially at that driver's age, you know, from, from 16 to 18 years old. They may go to a party and everything be completely innocent, but things escalate beyond their control rather quickly. And they become uncomfortable with what's happening around them. They may have had a drink. They may have smoked. It's hard to tell what could go on, but they need to know that they can contact you. You can get them out of that situation and get them home safely. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of emotional, you know, you know, a lot of emotions going on there. Yeah, lots. All that aside until, you know, things calm down and you can talk about it rationally. Okay, where did things go wrong? How -hmm. can we do this different next time so that we avoid the situation altogether? And those are, you know, those are difficult conversations to have. We, you know, we had to have them. You know, you get those two o'clock in the morning phone calls like, hey, do you know where your daughter's at right now? Mm-hmm. And you, you, I think I do, you know. Yeah, kind of, every uh, parent's yeah. nightmare, worst nightmare. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, it's a, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for parents mm-hmm. and it's a challenge for teenagers. And as parents, we have to keep that in mind. This mm-hmm. isn't easy for them either. You know, but if we work together on it, you can give them that confidence and that independence that they need to make good decisions and always get back to you safely. And that's Mm -hmm. what we're shooting for in this whole thing, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's it's about more than just yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's more than just that parental control. It's about raising independent, Mm -hmm. thoughtful, intelligent kids who can go out and be productive in the world and you don't have to worry about them causing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's what we want from our children. You are preaching to the choir. I, I <laughs> couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And, and, I'll, and I'll share something with you that my husband will cringe at that I'm sharing about him. But he, in his teens, he left home early uh, around the age you were in Desert Storm is when he <laughs> left home. And, uh, and, you know, he could have gone down a really bad path. Uh, didn't go down a great path at first, but then he said to me that he always knew he had that strong foundation at home. He always right. knew that, you know, his parents would take him back in or, you know, whatever, help him. And, and his dad actually was in the military as well. They lived in an army base when I first met him. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I just want to say like from, from a practical standpoint and, you know, it's the truth. It really truly is. It does matter. Uh, and you may, as a parent, be in the throes of just thinking, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what I'm doing. My, I've lost my kid and, you know, all this stuff. And if you have done the work now, all through, you know, as they grow up, you will see that it does matter, that they will see you as a trusting ally, that when you, like you said, make a mistake, they're just there to help you work it out. They're not there to judge you or criticize you. Yes, there's going to be emotions. Yes, you know, all of that stuff. But for you to say, okay, what went wrong? How did this happen? What did you learn from it? What can we do next time you're in this situation? It's so much more impactful to your child, to your teen, than you lecturing them, putting them down, grounding them, taking away all the things that they like and love and their freedom. That doesn't work. But talking to them like they're human and respecting them, that respect begets respect, you know? So it is vitally important, all of that, that building the relationship and communication. Our kids grow up and they see us interacting with other adults and they know what that relationship looks like. Yeah. They start feeling like an adult, you know, whether they are or not, they start Mm -hmm. feeling like an adult and that they should be given this responsibility. They want to be communicated with the way they see you communicating with other adults. And that's something that we've always tried to do with our children, you know, is to talk to them like adults. You know, Mm -hmm. if you ask me a question, I'll give you a blunt answer. I don't care, you know, if you want to hear it or not, you know, I will give you the information that you're asking me for. And I think that they respect that, you know, when it all gets boiled down. 
and you know knowing that that you can have that relationship with them and not treat them like a child when they're trying to become an adult goes a long way in that that mutual respect piece and that mutual respect is where the communication locks in as well so it all kind of ties together and just treat each other the way you want to be treated you know make sure that everybody understands that you're on the same sheet of music what those rules are and how they should be applied and and the open communication i think if you can manage those things with your team the relationship is stronger and their safety is pretty much insured on their end. You can't help what a lot of external forces, you know, may come into play when you're, you know, kids or teenagers, but you can kind of, uh, you know, rest easy in the fact that they know how when something is bothering them that they could communicate that to you and you guys can work through it together. I love everything that you have just said. It, it makes so much sense. And again, it's so aligned with what I talk about. So of course I love it. It's great. Now um, you have a wonderful toolbox item that is going to help so many parents. I really want them to buy your book and we're giving them, you are giving them a taste of your book by giving them phase one. Your book is, is divided into three different phases. And so this includes the forward, the introduction and phase one, which includes the parents' guides to teens and situational awareness, navigating the teenage mind, which is so important because we need to understand that actually a lot of behavior that teens do isn't about hormones. It's about the way their mind is changing and growing. And there's a right. mass reorganization that's happening in the brain as well. So it's really, it's really important actually to know that rebellion and risk-taking that you talk about is part of the way the mind is working right now. They're seeking sure. that. So uh, then chapter three is developing a situational awareness program that teens can live with. I love it. So that's what you have for the parent toolbox. Thank you yeah. so much for that. And, uh, and that's going to be, yeah, so that that'll be there. And of course, if you aren't a member of the parent toolbox, it's just www.parent-toolbox.com. It's free. And not only will you get Gary's his phase one of his book spotting danger before it spots your teen there are there are over a hundred other amazing parenting resources there for you now before we go where can we get your book it's released april 1st we're talking right now in march so we're talking sort of in the future we'll this will be released um after the release date itself so where are people going to be able to find your book particularly this one and all of your other books as well so you, you can find these books anywhere books are sold. I personally, I've got a website, GaryQuestenberry.com. That's kind of like my hub for everything. Okay. And uh, you can, there's links there for each of the books. Uh, there's a link for this third book, Spotting Danger Before It Spots Your Teens. And it'll take you to the pre-order site so that you can pre-order that book. Uh, it's released on April the 1st. But I also wanted to let you know that there's a lot more coming out on April the 1st. So uh, along with the paperback books, you know, which are usually what's released first in this series, uh, there's going to be some hardcovers because libraries are getting really interested in, in these yeah. books. I guess, you know, paperbacks don't last a long time in libraries. So yeah. there's going to be hardcover books that you can order. Uh, there's going to be audio books. You mentioned my accent earlier. I read all <laughs> of myself, so you can hear it all you want. And, uh, <laughs> I do love it. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's going to be audio books available, the hardcovers. There's also the e, you know, the eBooks for Kindle and, and things like that. And we're also releasing a video series. So there's going to be a short 20 to 30 minute video that you can download. You can get the physical DVD, all this different stuff. And there'll be a DVD that goes along with each book, you know, so you, you know, you're getting a little bit of extra information in those that you don't necessarily get in the books. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's really growing and it's really expanding fairly quickly and I couldn't be more proud of it. So I hope well, that, uh, I hope that everybody enjoys it. Well, and, and look, when I think of a family building a family, safety is one of the major pillars that right. we want to have. And so I know you, I trust you. I clearly like you and everything you have to say. And I know that comes through in your work and everything you do. So Thank you for all that you're doing to keep us and our kids safe. It's everything. It's everything. Cause what are we without being right. and feeling safe? You know, and if our kids don't feel safe, it shows up as behavior we don't like. Absolutely. And 
it's, it's just so vital. So Gary, thank you so much. All of this information will be in the show notes, of course, where you can get the book links and all of that great stuff. And, uh, and thank you so much for being here and sharing this with all of our it's listeners. My pleasure. I always enjoy talking to you. So, so it's, you know, it's a pleasure to be here. Always. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and peace.